Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Hello. Uh, how's your day going? I hear kids in the background. That's awesome. Yep, they're fighting. Uh, it's what brothers and sisters do. That's what I hear. I didn't uh, know that growing yeah. up, but my wife t- told me that this is normal. <laughs> this is this is fine. Yeah. Everything about this is fine. Closing this tab, almost there. I am so I'm out of sorts. I'm all out of sorts today. I'm I closed everything so that I just see your face. I can't do anything else. I full screened you. Wow. Yeah. Man. Putting my hands in, on my knees and staying focused. That's the goal of today. Mm-hmm. Stay focused. Mm-hmm. Staying focused. Stay focused. It's a good goal. That's a good goal. San Diego. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you. That's a good goal. Uh, well, I was I was reading the other day an article that a friend sent me. I wish I had the paper in front of me because I would tell you what the article was. But they were talking about research that was done, that forty percent of the things that you do during your day are all about habits. Habits. No, they're all about habits. Forty percent of your day is spent solely on whatever Maybe your habits your are. So change and make good habits, and you'll change a lot of your day. So that's my goal. And that's that's good. That is some. Um, uh, that's a that's an interesting philosophy. Uh, it it reminds me of. Do you remember the um, movie uh, A Beautiful Mind? That yes, with uh, uh, Russell Russell Crowe. Yes, I think it was Russell. I don't know. I, whatever. I don't the Gladiator dude. Uh, yeah, I think it's Russell Crowe. Anyway, do you remember how the solution at the end of the movie was? Um, just don't be crazy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's a that's that's the same sort of philosophy that you're talking about. Yeah, you know you know how to take care of schizophrenia. If you want to be more productive, if you just, yeah, just don't just, just don't be just crazy. Just don't have anymore. schizophrenia. <laughs> I was so mad at that movie even when it came out cuz basically the answer is like, "Oh, well, if you have a problem, just choose not to have the problem anymore." Yeah. It's like that's not how that works. I am fairly certain that is not how that works. <laughs> I think in some wait a minute. I think in some ways it can though. Like in this being productive thing and focusing yeah. Changing your habits. If you want to be productive, be, yeah. you should just be productive. Just just be productive. <laughs> like, if you want to be productive, the fastest way between here and being productive is being productive. That's right. Done. That, that's that's uh, that's my take on it. So I, I do need to start out today and say, I think most people know that my, my oldest son did our music. Mm-hmm. But today is, is special. Today he turns 14. So I just want to oh, say wow. happy birthday to to our uh composer royalty free composer i don't pay him anything mm-hmm. he asked me for royalties i i told him that he gets room and board so and we don't even get we don't even get paid That's, to be the you know what we should we should actually start uh i feel like we should probably start doing ads on the show uh either the, right e- you know yeah how about we can sell you some sort of trunk of clothes for men or uh <laughs> some sort of uh bed in a box type situation that 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 works for me. Do you find yourself tossing and turning all night <laughs> due to the lack of any sort of direction in Elixir and the Phoenix projects? <laughs> well, have we got a solution for you? You Casper mattresses will alleviate <laughs> all of your ability to, <laughs> to worry about the complete directionless goals of anyone who's working on Phoenix. <laughs> I, I okay, so. I'm, Do you I'm, find yourself frustrated I, trying to configure Ecto? I'm I'm laughing even more that as soon as you said bed in a box, the first thing that my mind went to is Casper. So they've obviously won that market. 
Are your are your underwear all in a twist because you're worried about how hard it is to configure Ecto? You should well, give, try me undies. You, you should give to our Patreon. <laughs> It'll just make you feel better. No, no, really. Uh, if you're enjoying Chris and I laughing oh at each God. other and stuff like that, and, and Anna, whenever whenever she's not traveling the world because she has an awesome life, uh, and we just sit at home with our children. That's it. Don't have children and give to our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, don't do that, because I'm going to I'm going to feel so obligated to keep the show going. (laughs) Well, uh, uh. If you get oh you see that you're trying to golden handcuffs me into this I am I am I'm you can't keep me down I'm trying to we gotta have to get enough I'm a bird we have to get enough money you gotta let me fly we, we have to get enough money in our Patreon account to make Chris want to stay a peacock <laughs> Amos you gotta let me fly oh man oh my gosh so I'm I'm excited and a little little sad about Lone Star. A little sad? Why are you yeah, because um, I don't know if you're coming or not. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm coming. I got to get all my travel squared away. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll be there. Okay, the odds are are looking. The odds are ever in my favor that I'll be there. All right. If they're if they're not in your favor, if people give enough money to our Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> we're not right. going to pull money yeah, out of the Patreon I, to do this. I'm just kidding. So I do want to tell people that the things that we spent money on from our Patreon was like stickers. And if any of you have animal pens, Pell pens. Yeah. We, we gave out some pens to people. So, um, we, we spend it on, on swag. And I think, did we buy one microphone? Something like, that. are we having a pledge drive? Like what's going on? I feel like, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's not here, here on NPR where we don't do anything except for talk about how you need to give us money. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm Chris Outlaw. <laughs> I'm here to tell you a little bit about the Elixir Outlaws. If you're enjoying all of these, the great shows here available on Outlaw on Outlaw uh, Network, you can uh, just donate a quick $5. Our operators are standing by to take your donations. Or just show up at Lone Star. You can donate to all the great shows. Show up at Lone Star. Uh, Elixir Outlaws. You got Rust Rebels. <laughs> uh, Is there a Rust Rebels show? Oh, Probably. probably. That they're they're missing out if they're not. I really feel like it was a missed opportunity not finding something. I mean, it's a slant rhyme, right? Elixir outlaws, right? It's it feels good. Is that iambic? Is that iam? Is that iambic? I have no idea. Stress unstress stress is iambic. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Outlaws. It's definitely yeah. It's definitely okay. not a near rhyme. I think it is. <laughs> I think it is. But so it, it rolls off the tongue well. But it's, I do think we missed the opportunity for some alliteration. That's true. I loves me some alliteration. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of what we would use. Elixir eugenics? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Elixir, uh, elixir Ewoks. Oh, perfect. Uh, no, wait, don't say that. Take that back. Nailed it. Take that back. We're going to get sued by Disney. <laughs> oh, this is, uh, this is, this falls into under fair use. Well, here's, here's how you get Disney off your backs when you talk about Star Wars or anybody. Elixir Emperor Palpatine and his daughter. <laughs> we, we, no, we just start talking about the Christmas special, the Star Wars Christmas special. And, mm, and if you've mm-hmm. never seen this, it's got Betty White. It's on YouTube. 
go find it. If you, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's, I think it's well known. Uh, not Van Halen. It's like asking if people have watched Troll 2. It's like, of course you've, or like being like, there's this great movie, it's called Troll 2. It's the worst movie ever made. It's like, no, duh. Everybody knows what Troll 2 is. <laughs> okay. You got to dig a little deeper on your cultural touchstones here if you want to try to, you're trying to, That's you know, true. flex on everybody about how, how many weird things that you know. Oh, I'm not trying to do that with Star Wars. I know better. There's, there's too many people in this community that know way more than I do, even though I really like mm-hmm. it. Um, but I don't obsess mm-hmm. over, over things like that. Um, I, I obsess over other stupid things. Um, yeah, I obsess over important things. <laughs> no, okay. I said other stupid things. Right? <laughs> to be clear. Oh man, so, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I don't know that I want to get. Into, oh, we're coming in so, hot this week. I don't, this is. Good. I don't know that I want to get into real show stuff, but I've been having a great time. I'm super excited about Lone Star, and especially even more now that I know that you're showing up. I I'm excited to to record with Elixir Wizards while we're there and to see Anna in person mm-hmm. again. I love it when when see, all three of us Elixir get Wizards. Together. I don't think I don't wiz, is is that also iambic? Elixir Wizards mm, maybe maybe I don't know. I, th- I think the S on the end kind of messes it up. Yeah, it doesn't. It feels is that a, I don't remember all the words. I love is that a trochee. I lo- I don't know. I love the the name though. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic name, and I hear that they have a good surprise for our last but unfortunately i'm not sure that that we have the same level of surprise i'll tell you about it off air we don't have the same level of anything that they have on their show that's true that's true like production quality uh guests just uh, because you were a guest on their show preparation they have better guests <laughs> than we do well, we just don't have guests <laughs> like that very often. rarely no that, that, sorry rarely. i wasn't i was not trying to denigrate uh, our, our the guests that we have had it's just that like they have them that's like we don't have fair. we don't fair have guests fair. they have fine. guests all the time that i think t- they've had so you. the problem is is they're like ha- we're not planning to guests. having anna but nobody has me probably because they're not a, well i don't do know. anything but this podcast i'm trying to change we, that well so <laughs> We're, uh, you know, like we're not opposed to guests. This is some more inside baseball on on the how the podcast on how the podcast sausage gets made, right? But we're not opposed to guests. It's just that having guests would require us to plan, and we are adverse to planning. Look, if you want to be a guest, let us know. <laughs> that's that's the quickest way to be one. Because <laughs> we're probably not just show up. We're probably not reaching we'll out to you. Give you the call. Yeah, that's right. We'll give you the link to the call. You just be here. And there's nothing that's scripted on this show. I if that's not obvious. So so we just sit down and, and BS for a while. <laughs> what are you talking about? I I uh, I sit and take notes on this material. I workshop this material. Well, that's true. Chris plans his jokes. I'm developing out. a real tight five on our Casper mattress. <laughs> Weeks in uh, directionless flight of Phoenix <laughs> <laughs> bits. <laughs> just a real tight five. <laughs> <laughs> oh man look at this i try to say nice things about lone star and here we go back to complete jokes we should probably do an elixir conf improv night oh sweet totally we just yeah we, we can totally uh you know you develop all kinds of material we could sit just let people get up right there. next to the waterfall mm-hmm. that's super loud um we won't have yeah, microphones hear and nobody will hear it. It's obviously a, it's a three drink it's a th- it's also a three drink minimum. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, well, you, yeah. you don't even get to show up until you've had three drinks. That's, well, that's exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Cuz before that it won't be funny. Uh, <laughs> so I, I I really am trying to change uh a a lot um, to- topics. And, no, and maybe. Uh and try, trying to to be more productive lately mm-hmm. so it, it's really helped me so 
uh, Connor Rigby came on with my with the company. I might as well say it. I feel like I shouldn't because self advertising, but I'm going to say it's binary noggin. And one day a week, we work on open source stuff or podcasts like like we are now. And um, so I've been been pairing with him a lot. We um, it it keeps me that helps me stay focused to working with people. Um, mm-hmm. So we released a library for changing from YUV image format to JPEG format. YUV is is used for video because we need that. And then uh, today we were working on Mogrify to change Mogrify to be able to generate random images um, so that we can use that for some property testing on on our JPEG library. So yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to see like these little pieces come together. I also would like to make up, but we'll see. I got to read about that today because I've never done it. And, I, That's cool. and I've been reading distributed systems papers that Again, that you sent me a long time ago. I started over on them uh, and going back through them. So that's been pretty awesome too. I've been really um, motivated lately. Nice. It makes me happy. Do you human. feel like that motivation like comes in waves sort of? Like where you go f- through periods of time where you feel way more motivated than you're doing like tons of stuff? Oh yeah, like day to day. Sometimes. Right, yeah. So yeah. I, I will say that a lot of it seems to be how I start my day. If I start motivated and moving um, and getting stuff done, it usually carries along all day. If the first thing I have in the day is some kind of frustration or slowdown, then it's that seems to carry all day, no, even if I switch tasks. So that's one of the things that I've been doing is something that I can just know that I'll be able to accomplish. Do that first, very first thing. Uh, even if it's mm-hmm. like grab one of those white papers and make one of the passes at it like reading the conclusion in the intro like that first pass or reading the whole thing just do like something simple that i can feel good like hey Mm -hmm. i've i've made some progress and then move on to the next thing sure yeah i think that's i think that's hard i think the the sort of maintaining uh a certain level of like motivation i think that can be challenging and it's it is I think often what I see people do is they treat it almost like a uh, they treat it almost like a uh, like a sprint, right? They're sort of like, oh, I have motivation today, so now I'm going to do all of it all at once, um, and then you kind of like uh, you sort of over, you, that's that's a real quick like way to burn out. Yeah, I think so. So to your point earlier, even though I made fun of you, I think there is something to the idea of like cultivating a like certain types of habits about that stuff um, that does help. Uh, in a lot of ways the other thing that helps is lots of coffee mm, yeah see i wow gross that's 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 awful hey, look at this french press i have it's freaking yeah, massive it, it's it certainly is a french press <laughs> it's it makes like 12 cups of coffee french press though that's too many cups of coffee. Uh, well, not when you're this motivated. Hey, uh. <laughs> well, this is so, so like I was saying, so people approach this like a sprint and then they burn out uh, because, you know, it's, it's fueled uh, by slightly too many endorphins. So, so um, that's my same argument with why I hate the fact that people call, call things, well, scrum calls things sprints. Like mm-hmm. you starting out with a bad mindset, it feels like. And then it's a sprint every mm-hmm. every week or two weeks or whatever your sprints are. And so then it's like never ending sprinting. 
is not mm-hmm. sustainable. Um, I think it's no secret to you. I don't know about the show. I, I uh, love Ireland and the Irish culture. And um, my wife always points out whenever I'm sprinting to sort of say is that the people that we met in Ireland, they all work really hard, but they just mm-hmm. work at a steady pace. And then at the end of the day, they stop. Right. And they just enjoy life. And I feel like here in the U.S., there's this drive to just keep pushing and pushing as fast as you can, and as hard as you can. And you feel like you're not going to make it. Um, and when I don't, yeah, when I don't do that, I actually get more done. Yeah, I tend to, I same. I mean, I tend to find that I'm, I'm generally happier when I am, uh, regimented about the kinds of things that I'm getting done. I'm not, you know, just like burning myself out uh, at either end. I'm more motivated. I'm more creative. I come up with like more interesting solutions to problems, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that goes back to like the whole idea of like getting, you know, eight hours of sleep at night or however mm-hmm. many, you know, that's, that's for me. It's like, I, I'm somewhere in like the seven to eight range where I feel like that's a pretty good amount, um, for me. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about really monitoring that kind of stuff. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't know necessarily the best ways to cultivate that. Uh, I do know what works for me, which is you say no to basically everything. <laughs> um, I need to get better at that. <laughs> like that's, that's a huge part of it is like, you know, the fastest way to, to get more, I mean, it's like lean or like, uh, if you want to, if you want to draw a really, really bad analogy or comparison, uh, one of the best ways to like free yourself, your free your mind to like actually work on a few key important things is to not have a ton of like peripheral things to say, no, I'm not going to do that right now. Like, no, I'm not going to work on this. No. Even though I know that that would be fun, even though I know that like that would be interesting to learn about i'm not gonna do it right now and this is basically the reason uh like i continually am telling myself that this is this is the month or this is the week or this is the day or whatever where i'm really gonna actually learn like some machine learning stuff okay i have a cursory understanding i did the andrine course i've read uh, books on it and all that but i've never really like from first principles found a problem and then like solved it right Mm -hmm. And the reason I've never done that is because when it comes down to it, uh, that's not important. It's not important enough to me at the time for, for that specific thing, like for me, for that specific thing today, you know, or this week or whatever, like that project isn't as important as working on norm stuff or working on, uh, something more work adjacent or reading a paper or just reading a book or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is. Right. And because of that, it's like, that's hard because it's something that I think would be valuable to learn. It's something that I think would be interesting and fun, but it's also like, it's just not as important to me, to me personally as a bunch of the other stuff. So I just keep saying no. And, um, and that's fine. And that's like, that's a, that's a way to, you know, work on other things, you know, and then you will, and it, it provides room to allow yourself to do silly stuff. Like, I've got this toy language I've been building off and on for, I don't know, six months. And I don't make a ton of time for it, but I keep, I like, you know, take little stabs at projects on it and stuff like that. And then it's all just fun. You know what I mean? But like you're freed up to be able to do that when you also don't have 10 papers that you want to read or whatever. Cause you know, you can, because you say no, even though, they are they ostensibly would be good to read and you'd learn stuff and they'd be fun and you'd uh, 
be bettering some part of your career potentially and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. It's hard to say no. And I think most people don't say no to all the little things that they end up doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I keep coming around, uh, coming back around to the idea that like the superpower for getting a lot of stuff done is kind of saying no to like a thousand other things Mm -hmm. or like having the, having the mental fortitude to say no. Well, in order to have the time to do anything, you have to say no to a lot of other things. So, I mean, to to use like a really, a really stretched analogy, um, imagine you're uh, working on like a fix for something in a code base and you need to go in and fix the bug, but the bug is three layers deep in this stuff, right? And you need to fix it, Uh, but you're having to like unpeel these layers and get down to it, right? And you're like, ah, it'd be a lot easier if I like actually started, you know, to use a terrible term that I don't like. If I started refactoring all of this, that would make solving this bug easier, right? Or or this happens a lot more in like feature development. Like, oh, I need to like support this new thing. Uh, what I really should do is like build a new abstraction for this and then da-da-da-da. Like, you know, you have this, you have this larger set, right? And all of a sudden, like the feature now grows. And also by doing it, you incur bugs. You you introduce new problems that you need to solve. You need to rewrite all the tests because you know, you did TDD and you wrote way too many tests around all the things. And so now you're like coupled everywhere to these like tests that you wrote. And so because of that, that's that like the, the you have to have if, if you actually just want to get your job done that day and then maybe come back and fix that stuff later, you have to have a ton of mental fortitude to be like, I'm just going to accept that this is how this is work within the system for today, extend this thing to do what I want it to do. And then once we've done that, we can maybe take a different maybe come back at a different time and actually, you know, pull that abstraction out of there and rebuild this in terms of an abstraction or uh, encapsulate something better or whatever the case may be, right? Whatever, whatever change that you're actually trying to, to do in the code base. But that takes a ton of mental fortitude. Like you have to have like real discipline to not do that. Um, and I think that that's the same as like the ever growing to-do list. Like you have to have discipline just to be like, nah, that's not as important. I'm not going to let that take up room in my head. And when it does, your weekly review should have you take that off. <laughs> I mean, one one would, yeah, one would think. I quoted David Allen to somebody yesterday. It's like, oh my gosh, I've been reading too much. But that, that's been one of the things that I've started saying yes to as I've said no to other things is mm-hmm. reading more, um, which makes me very happy. <clears throat> but you, I... I know it wasn't the point of your conversation, but I or what you were saying, but I have to step in here because I think that refactoring and TDD are good things, and and I think. But refactoring doesn't mean anything. Well, no, we've refactoring. No, just because Google doesn't have it or Webster doesn't have it listed doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. But I think it's the meaning of it too. I don't know. Uh, the me- I mean, the, the dictionary. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure. Like, listen. pretty sure yeet is in the dictionary <laughs> at this point. So, <laughs> fair. Uh, well, it's it's a it's a yeah. It, Fun story. It, we have a we're in a, in a Kafka thing where when we skip when point. we skip messages, you literally return the tuple where the first atom is yeet until <laughs> to tell it to like skip the message. <laughs> Continue. Nice. Uh, you were stepping Re- in to defend TDD <clears throat> and, and refactoring. Okay, so I'm going to start with refactoring. So post repost, what a what refactoring 
should be is that you change the internals of something without changing the external interface. Unfortunately, most people don't do that. So it becomes a big problem. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, okay. so I will defend refactoring and saying the things that I've heard you in the past say that you don't like about refactoring are people not doing it right. Uh, well, oh, sorry. Are you done? Yeah. Do you I'm, I'm, I'm ready no, to, to repost. No rebuttal yet. Whenever no you're... rebuttal yet. Now I'm going to TDD. Okay. Um, okay, sure. T I'll take these in TDD order. Is some Go ahead, call TDD is something that helps me think through a lot of things. Um, and, I, and I will say that it helps me simplify inter interfaces for me because I don't want to write a whole bunch of crap <laughs> in order to test anything. Mm -hmm. And I have a harder time with it in an Elixir, I'll say, of not making brittle because um, I don't have as much experience in it. But in in languages in the past and in how I test, I have found ways to create tests that are less brittle and allow me to do the real refactoring, which should be not changing the external interface. If you don't do that, then your tests are often a lot, they're, they're a lot less brittle too. And they, they still matter. But I think that it, that comes with experience and it's hard to do without being completely disciplined about it for a long time. And I don't think it's for everybody. Yeah. So I'll set TDD aside because I actually don't have that much vitriol for TDD. I do think like most people write way too many tests, just generally speaking, in terms of like actual lines of code. Because and the problem being that like when you, it's called coupling, right? All your tests are coupling. And most most people view that as like a good thing. I don't, but I think it's not not on its face. Like it's not a good thing to have coupling in your system. Right. Like that's a trade-off that you make to ensure that the system works. But it is coupling. Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 uh like it's just definitional. It is. It is. Coupling. Yeah. At, at some level, your system has to have coupling, or it's useless. Just like you have to have. But side whatever. Effects. So, like, just don't write that many tests, right? <laughs> it's like it's like, you know, just don't just don't write that many of them. If, like, or write or or like, don't spend that many lines of code on them. Even if you don't write property based tests or something like that, write things that like do a lot more inside of like a single test, so you don't have to, like like generate the values yourself by hand or whatever. Like like make your tests take up less room just like treat your tests like real code stop yep. writing like all these examples like a monster like write them you know and like treat them like real code and like keep them tidy and like all that stuff right if you would refactor um, your real code refactor your tests i i where refactor means whatever you want it to mean <laughs> because it's a nonsense where it doesn't mean <laughs> I, so i will i also have a a thing where if i write a test and it already passes unless i'm trying to add a test around something but like if i'm doing tdd and I write a test and it already passes, I delete the test because I figure it's useless. I've got it covered. Yeah, and there's all the tricks too of like, you don't work on the implementation until you see the test fail because you actually haven't confirmed that the test actually tested anything and you get right. false positives and all that stuff. There's all of these rules to TDD and I'm not here to actually to knock TDD. If TDD helps you, you should do that because it is a design tool. I am knocking coupling and tests and you should be aware that that's what you're doing. Even, and you probably will decide that it's worth it. Right. Everything is about those sorts of trade-offs. Like you probably decide all kinds of bad things that you're doing and your systems are worth it. I I mean, I do all the time, right? Those are all the trade-offs that we're making. Like we're gonna allow this to happen because like our jobs, because code is code is meaningless on its own. Code only exists to solve problems. And like code has no value as code. <laughs> like it has literally zero value as 
files in a Git repo. Right. The only code that matters is is like running software, solving real problems. So, you know, that's something to always keep in mind. But like we always make those trade-offs, which is fine. I am going to like, but I don't have, like I said, I don't have that much vitriol for TDD. I have actual vitriol for the word refactor and also for the specific thing that you called out. So I will address them if I may continue. Go. I will I will address them. Go. I might interrupt you. Um, uh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm so, on cop, fifth so, cup of coffee. We're ready. Excellent. <laughs> fifth cup? You're going to die. I've been up since five. <laughs> I w- Okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so we've been up for the same amount of time because you're an hour behind me. Oh, uh, so, right. Okay. <laughs> Great. Cool. Weird flex, but okay. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, my problem with the word refactor is it's a nonsense word. It doesn't mean anything. It's like saying performant. Like it doesn't, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. That's just like, that's a stupid word. It doesn't like <laughs> say what you actually mean or saying like strongly typed. Strongly typed doesn't mean anything. Say what you actually mean. So, so what do they mean? Like, what does refactoring mean? Yeah. What do they mean when they say that? Well, what people mean is change stuff, but there's a whole wide variety of change stuff, right? And like, you can actually just use real words that actually are well known. And still, and like get your point across, but get your point across better. And then you might actually catch yourself when you start, when you realize like you're, you're quote unquote breaking APIs. And so a lot of times when people say like refactor, what they mean, the quote unquote good way to use refactor is to do what you're describing, which is like change the internals of something, which I'm going to get back to in a minute, but we'll assume for a second that that works and has no effect on the outside world. Spoilers. It doesn't, uh, it, or it does. But we'll pretend for a second it doesn't, just for the sake of argument. I don't want anybody to run off thinking that it that it uh, doesn't affect the outside world, uh, because it does. But we'll suspend our disbelief. So let's say that it, you know it has no effect on the outside world. That's the right way to refactor. Is you change the internal stuff without affecting the external API, and you've you've refactored, quote unquote, right? But why not? Why is that a better word than saying like we improved performance? That like changed the internals, improved performance because we switched from, you know, a naive, unbalanced binary tree to a red black tree. Like those are real words. You can actually say what those words are, right? Like you can, you know what those words mean. Even if you just say I'm improving performance, you don't need to say why, but at least you're saying like what you're doing, right? Or what happens most often is you find some sort of interesting abstraction you find and and by abstraction i don't mean the way that people often use abstraction to mean like finding a function somewhere that looks similar to all the other places that you call a similar function i mean like actually abstracting things which is to say like finding the essence of the thing and extracting the essence of the thing into a reusable pattern right if you do that then you then your internals can all use the abstraction now like and that's a that's a win because often abstractions, especially things like like type classes in Haskell or traits in Rust or protocols in Elixir, those are all extensible things. They allow you to grow the system over time. Like as a side note, why are we not using protocols like way more? Like I don't get this. I literally don't get. Th- I mean, I do get it because they're tied to structs and structure, and that's like it's it's it is like a weak. They're they're very underpowered. Because you have to tie them to structs. Well, no, but like most of the time, like you want to dispatch based on two things or more multiple things. You don't want to dispatch based on just the struct type. You want to dispatch based on 
like something in the struct, like a string key or something like that. Like mm-hmm. you want to dispatch mm-hmm. on like concrete things or multiple concrete things. Like, but you can't do that with structs. You can't dispatch on like a list of a type of struct, right? Like you can't dispatch on any of these interesting things, which is actually kind of what you'd really want. Uh, but in any case, like I've never been unhappy using a protocol just because it allows you to like keep growing the system. Like you just add stuff and like, that's great. That's awesome. That's exactly what you want. But like, again, if I say like what I'm actually doing is extracting this singular essence of the thing in order to make it more reusable, like that conveyed so much more than saying the word refactor. It like actually conveyed what you wanted to do and what you intended to do. Right. Like refactoring could mean anything. Refactoring could also just mean like you just broke a bunch of stuff. Like who knows? I deleted (laughs) a bunch of code. It shouldn't. It shouldn't, but it does. And so like if you stop using, but if you stop using the word refactor, as like a catch-all for just anything you don't like or anything you do like or whatever, right? Then all of a sudden, like you actually have to use real human words to like state like a real problem statement and justify why you're doing any of the things, which I think is like a win. I think that's like a net win uh, like for the system. Even if it's just you communicating to two other people, like here's why I'm doing it. I, just ju- like, it's not hard. Just justify why you're doing something. Fair. Uh, I, I think you have a fair point. It doesn't make me not like the term refactor. Like to me, that's like saying I, I don't like the term animal because there are monkeys. I mean, did and there you factor elephants. it in the first place? What was, what, how did you factor I, it? I don't know. In the, I, I don't. And also, so, so like, did you factor it to begin with? So why, how could you possibly refactor it? Cause I can't, you know, most of the time when you people say refactoring, it's like clean up a well, mess that it, somebody else made. If it had been invented, but in like the, if it been if it been factored in the first place, wouldn't it be good fact? Like, well, it, like or factored is like, did you break? What's the definition of the word factor? Like it would be, did you it, break if it, it down? Was, if it was created like, in the Midwest, if the term came from the Midwest, it would be refigured because the first time you did it, you figured it out, and it would be refigured. <laughs> you know that, and I know that. So now everybody does. But uh, so so I I don't know where the and term you could came get a from, coupon yeah, to Menards for it. <laughs> can refigure it. So oh so I, maybe I'll just start using the term Factored. refigured. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what because I I don't know. I'm trying to think because the only terms that I can think of when I think of factor are like factors in math. <laughs> So I'm not sure where it came from. Are you looking up factor right now? I see you. I your am. intent. I'll, I'll I'll just I'll wait. Maybe not well, so patiently. The, these definitely you can this come on now. Free dictionary by Farlax, which is the first thing that showed up when I typed this into DuckDuckGo. Did not. You got to go to Webster. Yeah, hang on. You just talk to fill the air here, William. Do I need? Can you really need to fill the air? I mean, we can get it cut out if I'm too quiet, but. Um, one that actively uh, oh, you got factor you know, one who acts for someone else an agent yeah that's just factor though that's not factored like verb anyway the point <laughs> is so like but just like it's, it doesn't take much just like say what you actually mean say what you actually intend use use words that are explicit instead of using these like weasel words well i to like justify to justify rearranging the puzzle pieces in your puzzle i like, yes i think that whenever you're you're saying i am refactoring this code that you should probably give a little more context there. But if you're talking about in the in general practice of refactoring, meaning changing the code without changing any of the external behavior or interface, I think that's okay. And yes, people use it wrong. But uh, 
I well, so I also want to get back to this fundamental idea that there's there's some sort of magic way to to not break an API's interface, but change its internals and not affect the outside world, right? So uh, let's let's dive into that, shall we? <laughs> sure. It's hard. Your Honor, if I'm if I may approach the bench, <laughs> I'd like to call my next witness. <laughs> Every time the Southern lawyer comes out, I get a little bit angry. So the thing angry? Why do you get angry? <laughs> Because I know what's about to, I'm not, I'm kidding. I don't really get angry. I, I laugh. I was going to make a joke, but I, I can't now. I got interrupted by it that I had to send out of the room. Um, Lost it. So it depends on what you're talking about. So, so we're, the idea being you have some external API. You never change the external API. You can only change the internal API. And if you do that, and if, if all your tests, let's say, touch just the external API and they don't affect the internals, then you could swap, completely swap out the internals for some completely other thing as long as it still, as long as the external API was still satisfied and you would have done it correctly, right? Mm-hmm. I think that is not a real thing. And it's only a real thing in highly trivial situations. It's like, I liken that to the people who are like, well, if you use an ARM, well, I'm bringing my new my new nerd voice to the to the stage here. Well, if you knew the norm, <laughs> then uh, you could swap out any back in. I figured I felt like I was making fun yeah, that of the really nasally work. people too much. Oh, so I just nasal nasal voice. Hi. Well, if you use your norm, then uh, that's Southern lawyer. Hang it's on, just, <clears throat> nasally <clears throat> Southern lawyer. You need a Joe Joe Pesci lawyer. I need. <laughs> <laughs> oh right to, take, yeah. to fight the southern lawyer from my co- my cousin Vinny. yes exactly <laughs> yeah there you go in any case people often it's like people who say like if you use an orm then you could sw- the database doesn't matter it's like well that's dumb because like we all empirically know that the database does matter like it totally matters what database you choose and if you think it doesn't you aren't actually using that database very much <laughs> like because they all have different transactional guarantees. They all have different querying capabilities. They have different ta- like column types in their in their in the tables. Like like it it fundamentally matters. So if you're not if you're going to use something that eliminates your ability to actually use any of the interesting things that make your database a database, then yeah, I guess you you could say that that's true. So are you you're arguing that refactoring isn't a thing except for in trivial circumstances because of the complexity of systems, right? Like at some level, there there are things that you're going to change that are going to right. have an impact on the end user who don't even realize. Yes. And maybe the end user doesn't realize it right away. Or or they're using it. So like, for instance, here's here's an example. Let's say that you've got some external API. Like, if you don't change the external API, but all you do is change the internals, right? Like you've you've maintained the illusion of compatibility, but it's highly likely that you've made the two things incompatible in their semantics. Because like the not interesting thing is, did the amount of arguments that you pass to the function change? Like, you know what I mean? Like the thing that d- does not matter is the name of the function and how much you like what the arguments that you pass to mm-hmm. it were. That super doesn't matter, except in like super trivial cases. Right. I've, um, I've, I've changed internals of something that didn't change the external interface, but it made it faster, which actually right. caused breaking across the system because right. nothing else could deal with the, the new throughput of that item. 
Well, and like, and also, even if, even in certain, even in like the case where, let's say you, you pass numbers to a function and it happens to divide those numbers. And before what it would do is happily divide by zero and raise a math exception, or I think it throws in Elixir, but whatever, you know, if all of a sudden you start, you no longer allow, like, you change the internals of that, which is like, we're not going to divide by that. We'll now catch that. Like, we didn't change the external interface. We didn't make you only pass in zeros or whatever, but we changed, like, we changed the semantics that so that we caught the exception and returned zero to you, right? Mm-hmm. That didn't break the external interface, except it totally did. Because what it broke, because the external interface is also the data that you return. Like, the the external interface is the the range of values, like, like math range of values that you will return from the function. That's part of the contract, right? And how it behaves with any one of those things is also part of the contract. And so it's like people do this all the time where they're like, this is broken. This is, this shouldn't work this way. So they change the internals of it. And then it turns out that somebody depended on it working in the way that it was broken. Like somebody was counting on the fact that, that that you would throw an exception and has like written logic around that. And so now you've actually like broken them by not throwing the exception anymore. Right. Which I get that you could make a pedantic argument that like that is an external change. Right. And in a language with like a certain with certain types of type systems like that would force it. Like if you were in Java, right, like, you know, you'd actually force the caller to handle that or not handle it. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be, it would be it'd be a concrete part of the external interface. But I think. That's a and so maybe that's like a not a good example, but I think there are tons of changes like that that happen all the time, and people kind of justify it by saying, you know, uh, well, it should be safe. And and I I I think the goal there is laudable. Like that's great. Like we should strive to maintain stable interfaces. And you probably are right to make that change. You're probably right in a lot of those cases to change the internals of something and respect those boundaries. Like that's not bad. I don't, I'm not here to say like that's that's wrong. I think though that people put a lot of stock in the idea that if they do that, it won't have any sort of negative effects. And I just don't think that that's true. I don't think that that's accurate. And it's like it doesn't mean you should stop doing it, but it does. And, and much like the the testing thing, right? It's like you're coupling. Like that is coupling. Testing is coupling. And in the same way, like you're incurring risk by doing this, right? You're incurring risk every time you change the internals of this stuff. And how much risk you want to incur is kind of up to you and how much risk you want to put on your users, right? It's and it's the same reason that Simver is wrong. I mean, all this stuff is all of a piece. It's all it's all one thing. It's like Simver doesn't tell you anything about APIs. What it tells you is the degree that you might be screwed. The may- um, maybe. <laughs> Right. (laughs) But you don't know. Right. But you don't actually get to know every time you look at like each number is a different variation on like potential risk. So I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to plug hex diff then. Uh, Yeah. 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 Sure. Please do. Yeah. Please do. Uh, So so that's an awesome tool. I mean, Simvers get you so far uh, in in that the person setting the version thinks of the version in the same way that you do. Um, but it still doesn't let you know your full risk. But Hexdiff that uh, Joanna wrote that got pulled back into Hex itself is a fantastic tool for you to understand the risk that you're getting ready to incur by updating. Use it. 
yeah, you should totally use it. It's really cool. I like that thing a lot. But yeah, but do you, does that make sense? Uh, I get, I get does, where you're coming from. I get where you're sense? coming from. And, and I, you know, you're saying think, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, well, and, don't, and also accept the fact that you are taking on risk when you do this and you're, and you're, and you're, um, you're arbitraging that risk across every one of the users of your library or your system. Good or bad. Right. So, so just being cognizant of that helps you helps in, I mean, in the same way that not using the word refactoring and use really use real words helps you be cognizant of like the choices that you're making. And I, I think that's why versioning is important. I think it's different if you're writing a library that people can pull in, they can grab whatever version they want and keep the old one versus mm-hmm. I'm writing some kind of web interface, uh, an API that's out there that they can't control what, what version they're using necessarily. So mm-hmm. if you do refactor the internals of that, you need to have the fallback to the old version and, right. and allow people to use that old version instead of a new one. So Which is, it's I mean, that, more complicated when you're, you're, you're in that kind of service interface for somebody else versus them just having a library that they can point to a specific version. Right. And you need a, 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 re, a, a pretty reasonable test suite to actually ensure like, like there's no, again, this gets back to the idea that like, there's no type system in the world that can tell you, you know, that you didn't break the contract semantically. Right. Not yet. Not in widespread use. Right. And you know, like you need, tests you need these other ways of ver- verifying that like you didn't break the semantics of the thing that you're going to return if you uh, care about that right if you care about that contract i tend to care about it but i think i care about it more than a lot of people do and actually realistically i probably care about it more than you need to like just because like i don't know like it, at the end of the day like the costs are low that's not really the world i want to live in but i do think it's I think it. I think it kind of is the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Like the costs of that stuff are relatively low versus the risks. So people do it and they get away with it. And like, it is what it is. So I probably care about it more than is warranted. But I don't think there's anything bad can come of using more descriptive language when talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's anything negative that you're going to get out of that. Yeah, I and and I agree with that. I I just don't think that, that makes the overarching term bad. It depends on what you're what level you're talking about, right? Well, like just like in your code, what level of the abstraction are you talking about? Because you're probably not going to talk about moving pointers around if you're up at the top level somewhere. So that's why I don't hate the term. (laughs) But I do. Well, you live your life. (laughs) That I have to like often clarify. People will say, uh, uh, you know, we'd like to refactor this. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And then they're like, well, I want to change how the, uh, clients call this API and I'm like, well, that's not a refactor. That's a new version completely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, you live, you live your life and I hope you sleep well at night, which you probably will with your new <laughs> Casper mattress. <laughs> We're not even getting paid by Casper. This isn't fair. <laughs> they send you a box. It has a bed in it. You unroll that bed. Then it just sucks up air. Like, <laughs> and then becomes a whole bed and then you lay on it and sleep well. And then you put your kids, you give them the box and they're happy too. Yeah. Oh, man. What are we at today? I probably need to get out of here. Yeah, I need to go have some That coffee's wearing off. I'm feeling that downturn right now. Need a nap.
Oh man. <laughs> just put it on a slow drip. Just try to ride the try to ride the the, the razor's edge. I'm 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 a man of a certain age and uh, if I have coffee after a certain mm. time of mm-hmm. day I don't sleep. So mm. I need to slow I mean, slow my I roll assume you, a little. You're already you're already in the phase of like waking up in the middle of the night walking around the house. No, I don't do that yet. If I do wake up in the middle of the night, though, I am angry because I'm going to lay in bed for the next two hours wide awake. <laughs> mm. But not anymore with your Casper mattress. <laughs> we love Casper mattresses. And if you go to Casper.com and put in the promo code Elixir Outlaws and Casper mattresses, you will get a discount. Maybe not. Probably zero <laughs> on a Casper mattress. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. Let's button this up. All right. Well. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see you at Lone Star, and uh, happy birthday again to Noah, um, who's actually the one that came in and bugged me earlier. Didn't realize I was recording. So that's about it. Everybody have a good day. Uh, later. I'll catch you later, Chris.